0: Welcome to Dwight in Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the the behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Jacopo. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Switcheroo, written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams, directed by Jeffrey Hunt, guest starring Evan Hofer, Danielle Bizzuti, Bonita Frederici, and David Maddy. As always, we have a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched season two, episode five, stop whatever you're doing, walk away from your all-night knuckle bones game, <laughs> I promise it's for your own good, and watch Switcheroo either on BYUtv or at BYUtv.com slash Dwight. Quick recap, on the night before, Dwight must give a lecture on texting to the leading ladies in the village, and Claudwig must win a wrestling match with Dalibor the Destroyer, lest he remains in debt to the witch Hexala and suffer unmentionable consequences, Dwight and Clodwig quite inconveniently switch bodies due to Clodwig's birthday curse. Now they have no choice but to complete each other's tasks in order to save the other. Now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests for the second time in a row. We have the creators and showrunners hey. of Dwight and Shining Armor, not to mention the writers of this episode, Leanne and Brian Adams, welcome hey, back.
1: Hey, it's Woo-hoo. great to be back. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh.
0: It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's jump right into this one. So since the pilot, Dwight and Claudwick have been perfect foils for each other, talk about how you decided to have them switch bodies in this episode.
1: Okay, so in our world where magic is available to us, <laughs> a body switch episode was going to happen. A must. <laughs> it, it, we, <laughs> we had been sort of scheming it for a while, and then the question just became, Art, who switches uh, bodies? Uh, obviously, <laughs> you know, a, a, a Dwight and Greta body swap would have been really fun and funny, but that would have felt inappropriate to right. two adolescents of different different gender. And so we're like... In comes Claudwick, which really like <laughs> like you've said, makes perfect sense. They are such great foils to one another. They do have such radically different ways of doing everything that there could be nothing more awkward than for Dwight to be stuck doing Clodwig's tasks or for Clodwig to be in a position to run Dwight's life for a day. So,
2: Which is basically running Woodside, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, yes. He's, yes. He's, he's the unofficial mayor of Woodside.
1: <laughs> so, so for Dwight, this is a double horrifying event. First that he has to uh, be Clod and then he knows that Claudwig is out there being him <laughs> um, so it, 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 Claudwig is unruffled by this experience he's really not bothered he's used to it by yeah right. he's used to it and it's like oh okay yeah I'm, I'm in your body now um, and he doesn't seem that concerned his only real concern is this match that he has but even with that he's pretty sure Dwight can handle it like, <laughs> like don't and, worry right,
0: like Dwight he is, cannot <laughs> fail Dwight is always worried about consequences and Claudwig is never worried never. about consequences Just
1: so <clears> overconfident and 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 he's overconfident in himself and that somehow translates to since Dwight's in my body, he's gonna be fine.
2: <laughs> uh, he just is. unearned confidence. <laughs> yes. unearned. That's perfect.
1: So it it as we looked at um delivering on the promise of the premise in this episode, two people are gonna switch bodies who are the most uh, awkward two people to, to switch. and and um, most
2: different from each other. The really. most
1: different. Also, this gives us a chance to sort of see what Clodwig does. <laughs> like, we, we never
2: right. get out into Clodwig's world. He always Claude just Wig's shows world. up uh, yeah. for no reason, unexpectedly, and what were you doing before? No answer. No
1: answer. Right. So this gives us this little moment to see a bit of Clodwig's day, and, <laughs> and he's, of course, just running amok in his own life. Like, he's in terrible death to this witch and pretty unconcerned about it he's signed himself up for, for a prize the fight the match
2: of the century <laughs> he, he strikes me as a kid in his first year of college yeah yeah,
1: that sounds about right just finally so, away from
2: the parents out of control adolescence <laughs> yes
1: so so it's it's fun to see get, to get a glimpse into uh, the, a day in the life of Quadwig and then to place Dwight of all people in that day felt like it would really deliver on the promise of this premise
0: it's perfect I, I love this episode it's so funny um, where did the idea for the birthday curse come
2: from is that is that historical or we we actually we meet with our writers room um for a writers summit uh once once a season uh and we for three days we have a, a really well structured uh ideation uh led by leanne and uh this idea for uh, a body switching episode came out of that it was originally quite different we originally called it special day Uh, and the idea was that that as like a gift that the universe gave clodwig clodwig on his birthday gets to choose someone to switch bodies with and so the original idea in fact of the writer that um anthony vasto a a good friend he we were just riffing on this idea and i remember him him like pitching this idea of clodwig laying in the bed you know at midnight next to dwight saying like hey I chose you <laughs> and, and just like this idea that Claude gets to choose on his special day the person with whom he can switch bodies and and th- there was a lot of fun to it, that it but... was
1: such a fun way to go with it that like it's my special day I get to choose but we decided to go away from that because we wanted the stakes to be high for Claude yeah. as well Yeah, um, and so it had to be somewhat inconvenient for him also but, but what it gave us is this great device of uh, the magic happens on this day um, once a year he's familiar with it but nobody else is and it right. just sort of it, it was the trigger for the magic um, so so even ideas that don't end up um, going all the way into your script can still give you something really really valuable. A jumping off point yeah. for
2: sure.
0: Absolutely and it also keeps Claudwig not nefarious because right. if he has the power to do it he kind of could become the villain. even yeah. yeah. weirder than he already is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this way he's a victim as well. Um, so when you were writing the scenes for the switched Claudwigs and Dwight's did you write the dialogue as if they were in their own bodies?
1: Yeah. So initially, we had to just make a mental switch. So when you're when you're writing the the script, um, it has it, it says <laughs> if you read the script, it's a little confusing. Um, so it says Dwight as Claudwick. Okay. So that tells the actor, you know, Sloane, who plays Dwight, is searching through the script looking for his lines. So he looks for all the Dwight lines, but then in in the parentheses it says as Claudwick, and that tells him. Clodwig's in your body. right? Um, so as, we're, <laughs> as we are uh, writing the script and we're writing, Dwight, as Clodwig says, there's a little mental uh, cartwheel that you have to do there. Like it's in Sloan. Where, Sloan is saying this line, but forget that it's Clodwig. So we, we tried as much as possible to forget which actor was going to be playing uh, the role and just write the voice of the character um, because we had a really high level of confidence that our actors would be able to do that and, and would mm-hmm. that the character would shine through Regardless of who was playing the character, so and um, it totally
2: did. It totally uh, did. It, it absolutely, the does. you you see them. You're like, oh my gosh, Clodwig's inside of Dwight. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because,
0: like, <laughs> did you know ahead of time that they had such good impressions of the
2: others' characters? We we I, I mean they. Yes, uh, we, we did have uh, an inkling that they would do well at it. I, I think they surprised even us. And the reason we had an, uh, that, that hope that they would do well at it is, first of all, they're talented actors. Second, they go around impersonating each other, especially Sloan. He goes, <laughs> he goes around on set. In fact, he does an impersonation of me, which I it's finally got spot to on. see. And it, it's It's embarrassingly accurate. <laughs> and so he's, he impersonates a lot of different people. And we had seen him uh, do Evan before, so we had a Pretty high level of confidence, mm-hmm. but even having that confidence, they both Evan and and Sloan, a- a- exceeded our expectations. It's so okay, good because it's always. not
0: just the voice; they get the physicality yeah. right. Too. The little
2: walks and the little the little hand gestures, and we also at this point I, I, this was one of the earlier episodes that we had filmed, even though it uh, airs later, and they hadn't seen really anything that we had shot besides the pilot. So really, uh, so we because nothing had been released yet, uh, season one hadn't started airing when we had sh- when we were shooting this. So we actually got the post team. To put together a little montage of of sort of uh, hero Dwight and Clodwig moments that that they could see, and first of all, they were super excited because I think that was like the first <laughs> footage that anyone had pee. ever oh, wow. seen, and, and second, you know, it gave them the opportunity to really. Uh, hone their their impressions of each other and the little hand gestures that they each do and, and you know, and, and it was also funny to to watch them like uh, Evan didn't realize I'm doing this hand gesture. He didn't realize that he all that always does this hand gesture until Sloane pointed it out. Oh that's uh, funny. and so they it was a really fun process to watch them work.
0: Let's listen to a clip. <laughs>
2: Scramble the jets! Call the Navy SEALs!
0: All useless efforts, brother! Give me but a moment to explain! No! No, 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 no! I do not want to hear a word out of your mouth! Uh, My mouth! Don't use my mouth! Cease your caterwauling! Oh, I am gonna caterwaul my brains out! You have never seen caterwauling! What's amiss? Prince Caldwig is caterwauling. Today must be my birthday. Happy birthday, Sir Dwight! Over here! I'm Sir Dwight. In what sense? In the sense that... I am Sir Dwight in that dude's body. I clearly lost track of the date. Oh! But how? According to my runic calendar, my birthday should fall on the second day of the sixth new moon in the year of our log. Dude, I'm not a violent person, but I think I might actually punch you in the face. Only consider, brother, it's your face. Have you any idea what is happening here? None, your highness. Did they read each other's lines for the other?
1: They mm-hmm. did. Yeah. So, um, so Evan, at least this is my understanding. Evan did a, a recording of all of his lines Smart. for Sloan. And I believe Sloan also did for Evan. So they were able to hear each other's interpretation of the line and then kind of do their spin on that interpretation.
0: How did you figure out how they would each succeed at the other's task?
1: So that was kind of baked into the story, is that they each have to have a big challenge uh, that's specific to that day. There's no way they can get around it. They're each committed to something that day. Can -hmm.
2: we we put this off till tomorrow?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that they each need to be sort of key to succeeding for for the other. Uh, Against all odds, they need to kind of succeed for the other one. Now, for... Clodwick to succeed, he has a much greater challenge than for <laughs> Dwight, and the stakes are much higher. As yes. is usually the case, I mean, Dwight tends to think that really low stakes events are very high stakes, Which and is they are what makes for him. him funny, yeah. yes, for him, doing well, doing a, a good presentation at the senior ladies luncheon mm-hmm. is super important. Um,
2: <laughs> it's it's life and death for him. Yeah, yeah. for But Clodwick, it was actually life it's and death, yes. right? Yes. Right.
1: So so, but if you think about it, uh, you sort of want to give the lower stakes to. Claudwick, <laughs> <laughs> he's more bound to fail. So in this case, uh, Dwight ends up very literally saving Clodwick from a bad situation. Yes, he loses the match with Dalibor because no one is really any any match uh, for for David Maddie. Um, but then after that, he's the one that's going to figure out. Hexela's Bluff that Hexela is just rigging this whole game based on everyone's not understanding math or an abacus
2: <laughs> never let the witch do the math
1: exactly and he's the one that's clever enough to like do the mental math and be like what <laughs> um, claudwig has lost 200 crowns to so this woman and has never
0: done the well, math can we, wait, side note how much is 200 a crowns lot. in your mind it's a it's lot it's not like hundreds of thousands of
1: dollars it, it, it's like probably three or four thousand it's at least okay. the price
2: of a car <laughs> a, a cheaper car but still a car.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of money. Enough that, that he's just like, he's a little sheepish about it, you know, but Greta and Baldrick react to that with it's tremendous huge. Are you it's kidding so me? Yeah. How did you
2: get that deep in debt <laughs> to a witch? Exactly. <laughs> well, it's enough
1: also that she's
2: willing to swap
1: him his earlobes for it. Right. So clearly and that he she's... would have to,
2: he might even consider it <laughs> if it's that high of stakes.
1: You, you get the sense that hexla has been laying this trap for a very long time. Just for his earlobes. Just lobes. for the earlobes. She's been getting him. Her in... strategy <laughs>
2: in life is the exact opposite of <laughs> Clodwig's. Clodwig flies by the seat of his pants. Hexla's always scheming. Yeah. right. Always scheming. So he's a perfect mark. Oh, yeah, of course. Fears. Of course. So as we've discussed
0: before, the best way to cover exposition is with a good joke. And Baldrick making the all is well call on the hour every hour is hilarious. And it does the double duty of making us laugh and showing that the curse began at midnight on the dot. How many drafts does it take to land on that joke? Oh, or was gosh. that there at the top? No. How does that happen? That
1: was one that we sat sat with for a second. uh, As we're looking at this, we knew that we had to establish for the audience that it started at midnight. We're like, okay, so does Dwight's phone, does they check in with his phone? We need a clock. We need a clock. We need a clock. Um, But this isn't Dwight's Environment and so, and Dwight needs to be asleep, and so we're like, This is awkward, this is feeling clunky. What's a medieval clock? And then we just sort of went, "Uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go, as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then it turned into a joke where before it was just a device, right? It wouldn't have been funny at all. Then it turned into this joke because that was the medieval clock, and that's (laughs) always the goal,
0: right? (laughs) Just to make everything funny somehow, right? (laughs) I love it. Um, so in the fight scene with Dalibur the Destroyer. Um Did Evan do all of his own stunts? How did that fight work? And how many times did he have to crash into Dolliver's bosoms?
2: Evan did, I think, ninety-nine yeah. percent of his own stunts. Evan, yeah. Evan is a an accomplished fighter of his own. I think he has literally two or three black belts in two. martial arts. Yeah, two. Uh, <laughs> I give him Forgive a bonus me if I'm wrong. Evan. <laughs> I gave him a bonus black belt. Uh, so he is an accomplished <laughs> fighter, and he he always he's always saying like, I want to be in a fight where I get to win. Uh This wasn't that fight, <laughs> but. Uh, Uh, But he did a lot of his own stunts. We did have a a stunt performer there, I think just did part of it, because Dave Maddy is a... Very large human being. I think he literally—I don't want to guess how much he weighs—but I remember hearing it. He's very tall and very heavy. He's a big guy. It was mainly Evan going up against Dalibor, but we did have a stunt performer for just uh, just part of it.
0: That scene worked great, and it looked like it was him. Oh, and to answer your
2: question, I think we only had to do the the super (laughs) slow mo of Evan's face getting (laughs) smashed into the very sweaty Dalibor belly. I think we just did it twice. I think it was twice. Twice. Yeah, they they were
1: such good sports
2: about it. He had an incentive to
0: nail it. <laughs> was there any issue with evan being shirtless
2: was that any bit of a kerfuffle we did pitch this to the network and got you know prior approval to have uh shirtless uh oiled up guys for a wrestling match and so they, they were fortunately okay with it because mm-hmm. that's just uh, dang funny it was just yeah, really really funny it's and, really funny
1: and the guys they were immensely good sports we just kept oiling them up and throwing them at each other and then <laughs> cut, oil them up again. And then
2: dropping them in the dirt so it's oh my like gosh. muddy oil. It oh was my muddy gosh. oil.
1: If you watch really carefully, you see um, Evan's hair goes from like, Oily to a little oily to incredibly oily to not oily at all, just depending on which take we happen to oh, use. And I mean, at
2: the end of that day, he oh, was so dirty, he, so gross. It, <laughs> it
1: was a, it was a lot. I mean, it was a fun day, and yeah. everybody was kind of laughing and having a good time. And and Evan more than anyone was just you know keeping a lot of buoyancy in his performance, uh, but we did put him through a lot that day, and um and and uh, David as well. Like if every time you look over and see him getting slathered with that oil. <laughs> We were slathering him up. It was sort of funny, actually. There were the two guys that were supposed to do the the Dalibor oiling up, mm. and Jeff Hunt says, "Okay, now oil him up." They were so tentative about it. They were like, "Ooh," like they're <laughs> dipping their fingertips in and like barely touching. him. He's like, "No, guys, more oil, no. like, slather." Like we want your hands full of oil and slather him up. But everyone was a little resistant to it initially. Yeah, you take
0: as, him as you with- would be. Yes, yes, that's an appropriate response. <laughs> Let's talk about Hexala a little bit back at the uh, playing knuckle bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you walk the line of keeping Hexala treacherous and out for herself, but also being accepted by them and not? looked at as a villain.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a balance. It sure. is a balance. Well, and, and this uh, episode comes right after Alpha Day where she seemed really part of the family and everyone's guard was down. So this gives us an opportunity to right away remind the audience that you, you can't trust her as much as you think you can, that <laughs> right. she does always have this sort of witchy agenda. She's
2: always looking out for number one. Yeah,
1: and and uh, it's okay because Claudewig is kind of asking for it, <laughs> you know, and she's not doing anything overtly sinister she's just playing knuckle bones with him and he's a big doofus that keeps losing <laughs> a lot of money and so it's like you, you there's nothing there's no smoking gun that you can say right. oh look what a villainous thing she did and yet we know she's doing something villainous <laughs> just by her whole demeanor we right. know she's up to something she's
2: always got a scheme
0: oh she does what were the uh <laughs> in your minds what were the dice
2: made of well they were actually again shout out to the props department Hunter and Jerrica they were I don't know where they found them somewhere on the interwebs Uh, they found (laughs) actual goat uh, knuckles uh, and they they got them delivered and then they aged them and carved in the Roman numerals uh, and so they created those but knuckle bones is an actual game it is yeah Mm -hmm. that that people actually played a long time ago I I guess maybe a a precursor to craps uh, and
0: and is it simply adding up it's There's, a game of chance.
1: Yeah, it's a game of chance. There's a bunch of different um, known variations of uh-huh. the of the game of knuckle bones, some more complex than others. Um, some really were more like craps, like it was all about, you, you'd roll them and it was all about the um, the combination of numbers that you got would be worth more than another combination of numbers. Got it. But for our purposes, we already had so much plot happening in this story that to get into a really complex <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to analysis. describe Quidditch or something exactly. like that. Exactly. <laughs> right. was Much so, we just we actually decided to just make a joke out of how stupidly (laughs) simple this game is, and it's so
0: funny, and (laughs) the fact that, but that it's also what tips off. Dwight in Claudwig's body right. that something's up because you can't wait lose just consistently a second yeah how could she
2: be amazing at this yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. a whole chance yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah we went with the most simple iteration of the game um, but there certainly are other uh, uh, other ways of playing knuckle bones that, uh, that people really did play and they really did bet on it and it, they really were made out of animal right.
0: knuckles and that they were the precursor to, to dice. Dice, dice right? because yeah. you talk about throwing the bones Yeah, yeah. Exactly. dice game that's yeah. where it comes from alright so if, if Claudwig and Dwight hadn't switched bodies, would Claudwig be earlobeless? Oh, at this point?
2: absolutely.
1: <laughs> There's no way he would have won that.
0: He was in way over his yeah, head.
1: Yeah, he was going to lose his earlobes that day.
0: So this curse is of great fortune to Claudwig <laughs> in this in this circumstance. And he doesn't even How oddly fate conspires. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so, I have to ask. Was there a cut scene because the the move along juice is so set up for what's going to happen to yeah. Clodwig's
2: body the next yeah. day. We, so we 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 don't it. we don't in our story get too much into the scatological humor <laughs> the you near know, the bodily humor. So there was never the uh, the diarrhea scene that may happen in some other movie. I mean, it, yes. it it happens in the I'm audience's mind. That yes. it's only oh, in our yeah, we, well,
1: we do see Claudwig, you know, uh, Clodwig with Dwight in in his body, if that makes sense, wander off with a "I'm moving and grooving." And we um, added the
2: little sound effects, the, the gurgling effects, his little shuffle oh, walk. Oh, his shuffle! His <laughs>
1: oh boy, I got to get somewhere quick. Walk. So we definitely know what's about to happen, but no, we never, we never did feel the need to to paint that picture for the audience.
2: <laughs> it's not like a, a Zucker Brothers movie or yeah. something where you just just play that scene for five minutes greatly appreciated (laughs) not my favorite kind of thing not (laughs) that it doesn't work in some circumstances but it's not our show it's not my thing either (laughs) not our show not our network interesting footnote uh this episode we were supposed to film peanut in this episode's place but Uh, peanut got filmed last peanut got filmed at the last uh, of 20 so actually at the end of season two even though it aired season one so Peanut was supposed to be in this slot, but then for a lot of logistical and budgetary reasons, we had to push Peanut back. And so we had an empty slot, and we had like three days to start prepping. And so we had we had an idea for this, but... Uh, we didn't have a script, um, and so we were in. We we usually try and stay way ahead in the scripts, but in this case, we were like in a serious bad situation. So we pulled this idea out and we developed a little bit, a little bit, and then Leanne, in her genius, uh, she went into her mind palace in, her, in, 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 in our trailer, <laughs> which was a
1: kind of smelly trailer. <laughs> yeah, smelly trailer on, on set, and sh-
2: and she wrote the script in like three days. Wow, uh, and yep. you know, and so and I had a little bit of contribution, but this was this was mainly a Leanne, you know, like. Pull the fire alarm, Lee, and we need a script now. And it, she and, and it's amazing, I think, how well this this turned out, and it's a tribute to her, uh, to her genius writing. Oh, thank that it, you. In, That's incredible. It, three what, days. what was a
0: tough one? What was that process like for you?
1: Um, it was uh, really just total isolation. Like um, Brian ran everything on set for those three days. I really didn't emerge um, from the trailer or from. Well,
2: it's because my I wouldn't let her. <laughs> it was actually locked from the outside. <laughs> yeah,
1: it it, uh, it it just required total. Total focus and you know working at it 14 hours a day luckily we um, we knew pretty well before I sat down to write it what the storyline needed to be but this episode more than any other there was a lot of discovery that happened in the scripting just because there wasn't time to really go through a detailed outline or anything we we uh, we pitched an abbreviated uh, summary to the network explained the situation they said we love the idea um, go for it and so uh, we worked off of a really a condensed outline and figured it out in the script um which is not the way we like to work at yeah, all we're,
2: we're usually weeks if not months ahead of schedule yeah. with with the scripts but just because of the way this one came up so last minute it, it was we've never really been in that situation again i hope we don't get in it again yeah, yeah. it was not fun luckily i'm we're really happy with the way it turned out but it's great it upset. could have been a nightmare because we were going to shoot something yeah. in like three days well it,
1: in this one we felt like like uh, we needed an episode that we felt like would be a slam dunk. Like there's um, not that it was a no fail episode, certainly, but we knew that conceptually it was so strong. Um, and the actors were um, so and good and, and we could rely on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the one that we chose to put into this really tricky time crunch. Um, and, you know, sometimes the time crunch and the hard deadline can really benefit you. You know, you just dial it in and make the big push. And while you're in that, um, that, that, Moment of heightened adrenaline, you're able to really produce something great. It's when you try to sustain those deadlines over weeks and weeks and weeks that's where I believe you fall apart, uh, and and because you can't maintain that level of adrenaline for right. months on end. Um, but you know, going at it that hard uh, for one week ended up producing something kind of special. Uh, Brian and I are really different uh, in the way that our brains work. Brian is a multitasker who actually needs to have more than one task going at once to keep his brain stimulated. Oh wow! So uh, he he's all. It's weird in, it is in, in weird in my
2: brain. You don't um, want to go in there. I'll, br- I'll bring you some toys next <laughs> yeah, time we uh, yeah. do this. <laughs> so,
1: he does, yes, he very much, you know, he's working on one thing, but he also needs to kind of have something else going on, and it keeps everything firing for and him.
2: And is this incredible, she has this amazing ability to focus on one thing, and, and that's really where her sweet spot is, like yeah, focusing. Yeah.
1: I am a hyper-focuser. So um, where Brian multitasks, I'm, I'm not capable of multitasking. I get really agitated when I'm required to multitask. <laughs> so, but I'll hyper-focus to a place where I don't eat or pee or for mo- hours, and I won't even realize it. And then I'll be like, oh, what is that strange feeling? Am I dying? Oh, I just haven't eaten. So, um, but and, and I'll realize that many, many, many hours have passed, and I was unaware of it because I was in, in kind of a zone. So um, there's... Neither type of brain is superior to the other. They mm-hmm. b- both just function in different ways. And and Brian and I are lucky that we're a team and we have the two different types. That's amazing. It was a crazy. It was a crazy
0: one. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a. a f- <laughs> interesting week <laughs> it <was an>
1: interesting <laughs> week and it was hot it was incredibly hot we were in utah in the middle of the summer dusty and, and dirty um, yeah it was yeah. it was all just very intense but um but i love the end result of it oh it's
0: so, a great yeah. episode all right well on that note that wraps it up for season two episode five of dwight and shining armor the sunken kingdom the behind the scenes podcast about everything dwight Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Josh. So much fun. Thanks, so Josh. So much fun. You can follow Brian on Instagram at Brian underscore J underscore Adams. You can follow Leanne at Leanne H Adams. You can follow the show at Dwight in Shining Armor. And you can follow me at The Josh Breslow. Tune in again next week for Season 2, Episode 6, Truth Fairy Cobbler. I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life.